evening all. I'm Amy and I have the privilege of reading the Bible passage for us this evening. It comes from Acts 6, verse 1 to 7. It'll be on the screen or in your pew sheet. You can follow along on your Bible or however you wish to. So the Bible reading from Acts 6, 1 to 7. In those days when the number of disciples was increasing, the Hellenistic Jews among them complained against the Hebraic Jews because their widows were being overlooked in the daily distribution of food. So the 12 gathered all the disciples together and said, It would not be right for us to neglect the ministry of the word of God in order to wait on tables. Brothers and sisters, choose seven men from among you who are known to be full of the spirit and wisdom. We will turn this responsibility over to them and will give our attention to prayer and the ministry of the word. This proposal pleased the whole group. They chose Stephen, a man full of faith and of the Holy Spirit. Also Philip, Prochorus, Nicanor, Timon, Parmenas and Nicholas from Antioch, a convert to Judaism. They presented these men to the apostles who prayed and laid their hands on them. So the word of God spread. The number of disciples in Jerusalem increased rapidly and a large number of priests became obedient to the faith. A few months ago, um, Zoe, my wife, and I were sitting in front of the TV scrolling through Netflix, unsure what we might agree to watch. Uh, See, she loves period dramas, right? The Downton Abbey, Crown, Bridgerton. And I, on the other hand, love action anime. One Piece, (laughs) Naruto, Attack on Titan. You see the dilemma, right? We find it hard to agree on something we both enjoy. But just a few months ago came the Netflix show Beef. It's about these two American Asians who are beefing with each other. Uh, By the way, beefing means a term that when you are in disagreement with someone or when you're in argument with someone. So Zoe loved this show because it involved drama and comedy, and I loved it because it was about Asians born in America. This TV show explored themes and situations that I have experienced growing up here as an Asian born in Australia. I felt seen, I felt represented, I felt the show understood me. See, growing up as an Asian Australian, it's kind of weird. I'm both Australian, but I'm ethnically Chinese. Uh, I speak somewhat fluent English, but I speak Cantonese to my parents. I have these two cultures embodying who I am. And so to be honest, it was kind of hard growing up in Australia especially in high school when there weren't many Asian Australians at the time. And to this day, there really has been times where I felt out of place, neglected, or overlooked. Now, you might not have the same experience as I did, but has there been times where you yourself have felt out of place, neglected, or overlooked? It could be for several reasons, right? Maybe for some of you, you come from a culture that is not like the predominant culture here in Australia. Or some of you come from a city that's different to the city of Melbourne. Or maybe your English isn't your first language. Maybe you're at a different life stage to others in your group or workplace. Or maybe some of you don't come across as impressive to the university students in your group. I think this experience of feeling unseen is is real. And I think it's felt in our communities, uh, in our universities, and I think it's felt in our churches too. Have you ever felt like you didn't belong to church before? 
See, the feeling of not being noticed, the feeling of out of place, the feeling of neglect, it's a tragic and terrible feeling. And it shouldn't be felt in a community of people transformed by Jesus. But in tonight's passage in Acts 6, some members of the early church had the same feeling. See, the church so far in the book of Acts has been uh, growing like crazy. The good news that anyone can have new life in Jesus was being preached. And so as a result, thousands and thousands of people believed in Jesus. Thousands and thousands of people are joining the church. And in the series so far, as we've been going through Acts, we see how God grows his church despite oppositions and threats to his word. But we also have gotten a glimpse of the interior life of the early church. If you remember, chapter 2 and in chapter 4, we see how the members of the church were sharing all their wealth, all their material wealth, because there was no welfare back in the day. And so we see how the church was able to care and love for each other in a beautiful way. But tonight, we see this one group that felt unseen, overlooked, and neglected. We see tonight how material goods can be a source of blessing, but also a source of friction, endangering the unity of the Christian community and endangering the gospel message. Uh, In the next 20 minutes or so, I would like to help us see how the early church responded to this. And in your your outlooks, uh, I want to go through three points. That's in your handout, sorry. Uh, The first one is the group that was unseen, The second one is the apostles' response to share power. And the third one, third point, our response to the need we see. So firstly, the group that was unseen. Let's begin by seeing this situation unfold in verse 1. Now, the Hellenistic Jews were a Jewish group that spoke Greek. And the widows were being overlooked in the daily distribution of food compared to the Hebraic Jews, the group that spoke Hebrew. You see, at the beginning of the early church, uh, members would bring material uh, material goods in front of the 12 apostles, and the apostle would distribute that to the needs to the rest of the church. Now, just side note, the apostles are 12 men specifically chosen by Jesus to witness his death and resurrection and to lead the early church. Luke doesn't really uh, say why this group was overlooked, but some commentators say that it might have been an unintentional marginalization of the Greek-speaking widows because of their smaller size compared to the Hebraic group. I want you to imagine this. Uh, Imagine if everyone in this room belonged to UniChurch. Imagine if we suddenly are no longer part of St. Jude's. The other congregations stop talking to us. Uh, They don't recognize us. We don't even get to go to the church-wide camp. Uh, Women's sticky dates and story is over. (laughs) The men's steak night at the pub is over. We can't even meet in this hall anymore. What reaction and feeling would you have? Would you feel like you belong to this church? Now, of course, this is an extreme example, but I I want you to capture how this feeling might have conjured up in the Hellenistic widows when they've been overlooked the neglect and rejection. If the gospel message is that no matter what age, language and culture can have new life in Jesus and belong to a community that expresses that love, then do you see how not meeting the needs of the Hellenistic Jews undermines the apostles' preaching of grace and inclusion brought by Jesus Christ? 
According to the city of Melbourne, uh, we have currently over 140 cultures represented. And so I think we can be even more prone to overlook others based on their culture, language, and personality. But thankfully, the apostles heard this complaint and responded. My second point, the apostles' response to share power. See, the 12 apostles needed to respond. And so far, they themselves, right, have been in charge of the material distribution amongst the believers in the church. And so I hope when you read verse 2, you can see the attention. Have a look at verse 2. It would not be right for us to neglect the ministry of the word of God in order to wait on tables. Do you see the tension the apostles might have had? The Hellenistic Greek-speaking widows have been neglected and needed much attention. But in order to do that, they might themselves neglect the ministry of the word that brings new life. They cannot do both. So which is more important? Ministry of the word or waiting on tables? Ministry of gospel doctrine or the ministry of gospel love and service? Well, the answer is both. I think this is profound. To not undermine the gospel message, the apostle value both gospel doctrine and gospel expression in the church. Gospel doctrine, if you look at verse four, the apostles themselves dedicated themselves to giving attention to prayer and the ministry of the word. But also gospel expression in verse three, selecting seven other leaders to notice the needs of the church and attend to them. I believe this is what made the church, the early Christian church, so dynamic and so successful. The apostles praying and preaching the beauty of God's love and truth, and the church experiencing that love, God's love, through their needs being met. Just like how you cannot drive a car without fuel, you cannot truly appreciate a good movie without the sound, or you cannot use your phone without your battery, you need both. See, we can have the best and most Bible-based theological sermons. Uh, we can have the most correct and powerful answers in our Bible studies. You can even have the purest doctrine and truth you believe in. But all this can be undermined if it's not lived out in your life and in the life of the church. The church cannot just have gospel doctrine without the gospel being expressed and lived out. So, thankfully, the apostle responded by sharing their power to choose seven leaders. The apostle responded in sharing the power to choose seven leaders. See, the culture of the early church, and even in our age today, those in power, we often, uh, those in power, not I'm in power, I'm not in power, but those in power, they often want to keep power to themselves. They often don't want to diminish their power, but grow their power. And as the early church leaders, the apostles, they decided to do something very countercultural. They decided to give away such power. Have a look at verse three again. The apostles decided to turn this responsibility over to another selected group of members in the church. The apostles are sharing the power to other members of the church, and these, these leaders are chosen by the church to meet the needs of the church. And interestingly, if you look at verse five, the seven chosen, uh, we, they might have been Hebraic Jews or Hellenistic Jews culturally, but they are recorded to have Greek names, especially Nicholas, who were, from an Ant, who were from Antioch, a Gentile converted to Judaism, and now a Christian. 
Part of the church's selection is to choose a diverse group of leaders who might notice and serve the needs of the church. And we'd see in verse six, the apostles were fully behind the sharing of the power to the seven newly leaders in the church. You know, I'm so thankful that the apostle listened to the Hellenistic Jews and didn't overlook this situation. Friends, if you yourself have felt overlooked and neglected or feeling out of place in church, I'm so sorry that you are feeling this or have felt this before. And I'm sure the apostles of the early church would see this as a sad situation and sad thing to happen. Friends, let me assure you that the church of Christ and her doors are wide open for you. You belong to Christ, you belong to his church. And if the feeling, if you are feeling like the church may have missed an opportunity to serve you or help you, please get in touch with your Bible study leaders or the pastors at our uni church, Sam and Larissa. Now, I don't know about you, uh, but I always struggle to practically serve the church. Uh, I'll be the first one to put my hands up for Bible study leading, uh, but I'll be the first one to bounce and, and go when I need to clean the dishes. And I think one of the dangers we have in, in reading such a, uh, uh, sorry, I think one of the dangers we have in being such a biblical and theological rich church like St. Jude's is that we can easily misread this passage and put much more emphasis in the ministry of the word, can't we? Notice that the seven chosen to wait on tables have almost the same characteristics as a Bible teacher uh, that is later written in the New Testament. They have almost the same characteristics. Their reputation in their character was important. In verse three, they were known to be full of the spirit and wisdom, and later in verse five, to be full of the spirit and faith. And next week we see in chapter seven, we get to see how Stephen was in fact an excellent preacher, clearly skilled in his biblical theology. But the seven chosen leaders were chosen by the character rather than the specific skill they have because this task was a weighty responsibility. They will be the first to serve the needy. They will be helping the lost feel welcomed. They will be promoting the gospel through the expression of gospel love. Will we do the same? Will we be known to be the first to serve rather than the last? Will our reputation be one of great Bible knowledge and faith, but also our reputation be the one to express love and service to others? This leads me to my final point, our response to the need we see. There will always be groups and individuals that might have specific needs. And I think Acts 6 has inspired a, a helpful framework in how we can respond to those needs around us. There's three things I wanna highlight for you. Firstly, our hearts to notice, our strength to serve, our opportunity to promote. Our hearts to notice, our strength to serve, our opportunity to promote. We want our hearts to be ready to notice groups that might be in need or individuals that might need to be checked up upon. And a motivation to do that is uniquely because Jesus Christ has first noticed us in our sins. He noticed that we have sinned against God, but his response was to notice us and die for us on the cross. 
Friends, we don't serve each other because we want to gain salvation from Jesus. No, we serve because we already have been saved by Jesus. So if we are to notice others, if our needs, if we are to notice the needs of the church, it must be first from the fact that our heart has been redeemed by Jesus Christ. So how does your heart react when you see someone new sitting by themselves? How does your heart react when you see someone who might not be doing particularly well in your group? In what ways does your heart subconsciously unsee or neglect or overlook others? Maybe because of their culture, language, class, personality, or weaknesses. Motivated by the gospel, I pray we can shape our hearts to notice. And I think we are just so uniquely placed here where every semester we have new students coming here looking for a home, looking for a community, looking for a church. Let's notice them. Secondly, our strength to serve. As I said before, the early church, material goods was a source of blessing and affliction. And I think for us, community is both a source of blessing and friction. We do, in fact, have extremely strong and beautiful communities here at Uni Church. But sometimes in our strong friendship groups, we are prone to overlook and neglect others. But my hope for you isn't to uh, break up your communities, no, but instead have a better vision to use the strength of your friendship to welcome others to be part of it. Sometimes, uh, I get this, we do in fact get nervous when we open up our friendship groups to others, I understand that. But friends, we are not a social club that gathers because of our common interests. We're a dynamic, thriving church that gathers because of our common savior. And just how, how Zoe and I found something we can both enjoy uh, by watching the TV show Beef, for all those who are, call themselves Christians, for all those who have a new identity in Christ, we have a common joy called Jesus Christ. And so no matter what language or culture or personality, strong or weak, how can we use our community as a blessing even to those who may be overlooked by society? Let's help them feel welcomed to UniChurch. Lastly, using our opportunity to promote. If you look at verse seven, I think Luke writes down the result of this change in the church structure. He says, so the word of God spread and the number of disciples in Jerusalem increased rapidly. We have an opportunity, church, to be an, an attractive church for the gospel. We have an opportunity to be attractive for the gospel, to show just how wonderful his community is. Let's say in semester two, right, you invite your friends to church. And not only will you know that there will be strong biblical preaching up the front, but that you would know that they will experience that truth in love and joy afterwards. A few weeks ago, Sam uh, posted on our Uni Church Facebook group uh, the St. Jude strategy and vision for the next five years. And two of the five goals was gospel growth and generous service. Isn't it such an attractive goal for Uni Church to strive towards? And I think Acts 6 paints a wonderful picture in a way forward in how we can achieve this. Friends, we have a wonderful opportunity here. Semester two is coming up. Old friends will come back. New faces will show up here at church. How can we embody these two goals in how we teach and love and how the gospel can be so attractive to those who walk through those doors? 
In Revelation 7, 9, it says, Therefore before me was a great multitude that no one could count, from every nation, tribe, people, and language, standing before the throne and before the Lamb. This is a glimpse of heaven. That it, it will have even more diversity than the 140 cultures here in Melbourne. No one would be overlooked. No one would be neglected. No one would be out of place. But all will be seen. All will be noticed. All will be heard. All will be saved. All will be enjoyed standing before the throne, before the Lamb. And all will be seen and loved by Jesus Christ. We can take confidence that this is the reality in the future with Jesus. And in the now and not yet before Christ returns, we can have confidence that we can be part of this redemption story. Here in church, in the way we serve, include, and notice others. Ray Ortland puts this so wonderfully uh, in how he welcomes others to his church. And, and I want us to have the same mindset. He says, to all who are weary and need rest, to all who mourn and long for comfort, to all who fail and desire strength, to all who sin and need a savior, and I say, to all who feel neglected or overlooked and need community, the church opens wide her doors in the name of Jesus, the friend of sinners. Friends, you and I belong to, to the church named Jesus Christ. Let's help each other know and experience Christ's love the same. As we notice the needs, as we serve in strength, and as we promote the gospel for all is welcome. Let me pray. Heavenly Father, we thank you so much for Acts 6 and a wonderful image in how the apostles didn't undermine both gospel truth and gospel love, but that they chose both. Help us to hold both to high regard. Help us to love the students and, and new people and new faces we see in the coming few weeks. We are sorry for the times that we might have neglected or overlooked others, but we thank you, Jesus, that your church is wide enough for all who believes in you. Help us to express that love the same. Amen.